Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast uh, with me, Ian Doyle. Uh, also with me today is our LFC editor, Andy Kelly, uh, Liverpool writer, Neil Jones, and our blocking, Joe Rimmer. Uh, Andy, we'll start with, in fact, no, we won't start with Andy, we'll start with Neil because he was at Swansea at the weekend. What did you make of it all? Yeah, it was a good win. Good win. Keeps the, keeps the train rolling on. It was one of them where I think if you... If you went back through a lot of people's uh, emotions and timelines and messages during the game, you'd have found some people who, who were thinking, here we go again after after half an hour or so. But um, unlike at Burnley early in the season, Liverpool found a way through. And I thought it was a good good second half. Actually, I thought they played really well. And it was one of them where you saw a, a team that believed it was going to win and, and, and knew how to win it. And it was, uh, yeah, I'm sure that journey back, back up there, up north was pretty pretty good for those supporters. Andy, you uh, you watched it. You watched it. I, I, I mean, were you, were you were you were you among those who was thinking when he went to one 0 here we go again? As Neil just pointed out, um, sort of is the answer because it felt like one of those games, one of those Newcastle from last season, Watford from last season, one of those type of games. But I think most Liverpool fans now think that this is a slightly different team. So there was also, I think, for most people. Uh, watching, we're thinking, you know, this Liverpool team we think are a bit better than that, and and potentially can turn this around, and that, and that's what happened. And um, I watched the game back yesterday, and actually, um, I know obviously Klopp and uh, the players themselves were very disappointed with their first half display. Watching it back, actually, I didn't think it was quite as bad as I had thought the first time through. Sort of watching it live, um, there, there were opportunities for Liverpool in that first half. But um, the first 20 minutes of the second half, I thought, were really exceptional. Liverpool played at a pace that they hadn't done. And uh, the fitness, I think we've really got to mention here, Swansea were absolutely ruined, weren't they, by halfway through the second half. And, um, you know, he was struggling to try and get some fresh legs on. He brought the lad on uh, in the middle of the park, Fulton, was it, to yeah, Swansea, yeah. um, who did quite well for them, I thought. But, um, you know, Liverpool's fitness starting to tell, and that's something that's only going to get better uh, against in comparison with the other, say, top teams, as they get more and more involved in their European yeah. competition. He also brought on. I'm going to go on a limb. He brought on the worst player <laughs> I've ever seen in the Premier League ever. Barrow is the worst. That's the worst <laughs> performance I've ever seen from anyone. Well, he, 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 he was looked quick. like someone who come on and was like, he was for Liverpool. It was like he, he, he just did everything. Everything he did in the game. Me and, me and James Pearce were there watching it, and he was right in front of us the second half. And you could see Quaidlin was just going to just just stop stop that just stop doing it all wrong and I think culminated he 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 was the guy who who led to the penalty with his he's up and under in the penalty it area. was a, it was a gorgeous yeah. clearance that was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that that sorry Mo Barrow or whatever your name is that's the worst <laughs> I've ever he couldn't, seen he couldn't even be bothered to find out it what is Mo, I don't know what, was, I don't know what Mo's short <laughs> for whether it's Mohammed or or Moose else it could be anything could be anything. yeah it could be uh, Joe. Were you, as Andy was, thinking, oh, not sure about this? Or was it the fact that the first half performance was perhaps tainted, the viewing of it, was tainted by memories of what happened at Burnley and that kind of fear that, oh, here we go again? Yeah, I think I'm a glass half empty kind of guy, so I did kind of think it would be a here we go again moment. (laughs) Drunk. (laughs) Well, um, so at half time, I had the feeling of one of those days, one one of those days when nothing goes right. And. I thought they were really impressive in the second half. The way they just they stepped it up, and then when they smelt blood, they they thought they were going to go on. When you could see that they believed that they could win that game, 
and they kept pressing in and they, they, they got what they deserved. Liverpool just stepped it up a gear. I mean, the, the fitness is just outstanding. You, you know, you keep thinking, can Liverpool sustain this level of pressing, sustain this style of play? And they keep proving everyone wrong because they can. And, they, you know, they just they ran all over Swansea and they couldn't keep up with them. They, their passing got sharper, quicker. Um, you know, all those players that have been in such great form, all those attacking players, uh, Mane, Lalana, Casino, Firmino, they were all involved. And Liverpool just looked like they were going to get the goals, and, and they did. I mean, the fitness is uh, that Andy and, and yourself bring up is a, is a good point. I mean, I spoke to John Aldridge yesterday for his column. I actually did some work, yeah. And he basically said that he was expecting Swansea to drop off in the second half because there was no way that they could keep that level of pressing. Because as anyone who, who watched it, they pointed out at half-time on Sky that basically Swansea did in the first half what Liverpool had been doing to teams all this season, but over the full 90 minutes, whereas Swansea could just about, you could argue, say 30, 35 minutes they managed it, then they started to drop off. And in the second half, you know, I, personally speaking, I thought that was probably Liverpool's best performance this season, the second half, because of what Neil mentioned about the belief that this was a team that thought they'd get the job done and thought, thought they'd get the goals. I mean, I, I think there's absolutely no doubt that if Liverpool hadn't got the penalty, I'm absolutely certain they would still have gone on and got, got the winner because they had some great... You know, obviously it was helped by the fact you won ahead, Swansea perhaps overcommitting. But they had some great chances, and also I just think there was that level of pressure coming on at that stage. I think that um, Liverpool were always felt like they were going to go and score again. You're always worried then about as almost happened, Swansea, you know, sneaking another, and suddenly you, you know you're in a two-all situation. You've dropped two points, and you're frustrated again. But um, look, things just seem to be going for the Reds at the moment. So you know, sometimes you have these little p- patches where things happen and are positive and uh, you know at, at the moment I just think enjoy it at the moment and they're making their own luck for me I mean Neil you mentioned again the chances but Daniel Sturridge came on and for all the chances that they had he didn't seem to really have any yeah. of them and as the main striker that seems a little bit surprising I mean what, what did you make of Sturridge's performance do you feel as though he's, he's still not quite there or is he trying to yeah, is he trying to acclimatise into a a clock method that's kind of compromising his own game. That's that's it. Actually, I think that's probably that's probably as close to the mark as anything. I don't, I don't think he's anywhere near the the level we we associate with him in terms of his explosiveness or his uh, his individuality. You know, he, he doesn't look like someone who's going to go and win a game for Liverpool at the moment. But he, he is doing he's doing some good things and he's facilitating other people who are going to go and win the game for them. Um, yeah, I thought I actually thought he was going to get subbed uh, when when the Marigi was coming on after the penalty. It was right after the penalty, and I said to James, I said, "He's going to sub him." So he's going to sub the sub. And I thought, "Oh God, you know what a what a story that's going to be. That everyone's going to be talking about." That. And then obviously he took Firmino off, but I think he's still um, he's still searching for some sort of whether whether he's got to accept that he plays a different way because his body doesn't allow him to do it, or whether he's just got to find the rhythm and get back to the the the, the pacey sort of explosive player or whether he's just got to say I, I'm no longer the ace marksman I'm, I'm now a sort of a, a, a combination player in and around the box whether he might have to do that but it's, that's not bad is it you know you've got him you've got, you've got Tiff Ockerigi you've got Danny Ings who we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show you've still got them none of them have scored a Premier League goal yet Liverpool have, and Liverpool have got 18 in, in 7 games so I don't think it's a, it's not the worst problem in the world Joe reason Sturridge was on was because Adam Lallana went off injured. Is it a sign of his progress or how things have changed for him that Liverpool fans at the moment are thinking, oh, we best not be injured for too long? Whereas, you know, 
towards the end of last season, maybe that wasn't the case. One hundred percent. I think um, in this this team so far this, this year, you know, he, he's been like pretty much Liverpool central guy, hasn't he? Everything goes through Lallana. He leads the way in terms of pressing, and he's also, you know, we've spoken about before. He's like the link between uh, the midfield and attack. So I think Liverpool fans will be rightly concerned. Weirdly, I didn't think he was having his best game on on yeah. on Saturday. Casino was brilliant when he went yeah, back. To, I, yeah, I when, when he dropped when he dropped deeper. So, you know, I, on storage, I kind of don't fully agree with Neil. I thought thought he came on and made some decent runs on on Saturday, and it didn't quite come off the final product. But I did think he was making a few runs and showing for the ball, whereas Lallana was sort of struggling, and Liverpool were really seemed, seemed to struggle to sort of spread the play a bit. But um, no, Lallana has been very very good this season, and. They'll hope that it's not too bad, that injury, because um, they'll need him back quite quick. It was interesting, now because there, as Joe mentioned, there were a number of times where Sturridge was kind of in a good position and he was screaming for the pass and it just never came or they went out wide or whatever. Do you think that's just because Liverpool are now playing a different way to what he is either used to or what actually suits his game? No, I don't think you need to look at it and go as deep into it as that. Honestly, there was a couple of occasions on Saturday where... You know, an inch, you know, here or there, and he would have been on the score sheet. I think there was a ball in from the left-hand side. Yeah, defender, was it? Defender, Cork. It was. He was going to score. Yeah, he was literally his head was coming back, and he was going to score. And then there was one when there was another cross where the defender just got in the way. There was one late on, wasn't it? He was stretching for. Absolutely, and you know, on another day, that's two in for Sturridge, and we're all talking about oh, he's back to form. You know, he did. I thought he did a couple of really good things out when he did drop slightly deeper, um, sort of cutting in and spreading the play to the other uh, wing. I think he played in Chan at one stage with a great ball, or it might be Origi. And um, you know, I think it was Aldo in his column was talking about maybe Sturridge dropping too deep at times and needs to concentrate on the front end. I think he's worried if he does that that the manager's going to be on his back and the manager wants him doing other things. And I think maybe. We might have to see Sturridge just sacrificing some of, maybe even his goals, maybe some of his, you know, that's, you know, top end of the field play to make the collective better and, and, and the team better. And, and I think Klopp's happy to do that. We've seen that, you know, it's all about the team. And I think, um, you know, it might be that Sturridge doesn't get the goals that he might do if, if he, you know, stayed, you know, more in a central position. But, uh, you know, at times when he was going out wide, Mane was filling that hole and going through the middle as well. And, you know, the more they'll play together, the more that can that can work. But Liverpool are in a nice situation there where you can bring Daniel Sturridge off the bench. I mean, we've spoken about the, the bench strength in the last few weeks and, uh, you know, that, that's looking really good. Again, Emre Chan off the bench as well. Um, and, uh, you know, there's still players like, they could have, you know, you your Lucases, your, your Kev Stewart's who could have come on and sealed stuff up a bit more. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm really happy with in terms of Daniel Sturridge and what he's bringing to the team and I think the goals will just come when they come. The Brazilian Bobby, who wants to A, tell me how to pronounce his surname and B, <laughs> talk about him? Firmino. Firmino. <laughs> yeah. Well, Firmino, obviously. Um, birthday boy. Birthday boy. Oh, God, yeah. And the teeth. You're just jealous about the jacket though, aren't you? And the teeth. Um haircut, no? You like his haircut? No, no, no. <laughs> Do you actually like him in any way, shape, yeah, or form? Well, yeah, yeah. This leads like, nicely done. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote on Saturday and I, I firmly believe it. I think he's Liverpool's most important player. For me now, I don't I don't see anyone who I think he's the one player that if he got injured 
I think Liverpool would lose so much from their team if, if Firmino was unavailable. I know they went to Chelsea without him and won, but generally I think there's a statistic that he's been involved in more goals since he joined than any other player. I think he's got 13 goals and he's got 11 assists. So that tells you all you need to know. He's, he's a double-double player you know, in terms of you can get 10 of each. And I don't know if Liverpool have got too many of those, personally. He, um, he's, he's just one of them. Like, you know, to be honest, if you if you had them on player camp, you know, like Sky used to do, you wouldn't really notice anything about them. You, nothing outstanding about them in terms of his, you know, his speed or his his height or anything like that. But he just does does loads of good things. And you know, again there. Firmino, poor first half, and he comes away and you say, Roberto Firmino scored one, won a penalty, could have had a couple more. And, yeah, you know, best player on the pitch, probably. It's all about touch and control with him. It's what sums him up for me was that first touch in the goal against Leicester, I think it was, when yeah. Milner played uh, the ball yeah. in. And it's like, you know, he's put into a reasonable space, a decent situation there, but one touch and suddenly you're in a goal Se- score. Second goal as well. Yeah. Open goal, and you sort of you could rush it, couldn't you, and try oh, yeah, and get it blocked, yeah, and you yeah. just bang there you go, left foot in. You know, it's I always say in many times in these pods that control is the aspect of the game that that is vastly underrated, and his control of the ball was just you know phenomenal for me. And uh, yeah, no, I agree with Jonesy. Uh, he's been um, a terrific, um, a terrific addition to Liverpool, and you know, I, when it you know we could have ended up with Memphis Depay. And you know he's still a very good player. I think who will probably come reasonably decent at, at United. But I don't think any Liverpool fans are upset that we ended up with Roberto Firmino. His, his aggression is what stands out for me. He doesn't believe in lost causes. You know that the penalty he wins, yeah. you know, is, is because he's going and getting under a high ball, which plenty of other players like him wouldn't want to compete for. He, he just he doesn't give up on things. He does all the nitty gritty stuff really, really well. You know, he presses, he tackles. And then he, he scores he scores all different sorts of goals, doesn't he? That header is not an easy header. Uh, not did, at all. Did it's you great. See, really well did, there. I'm gonna I'm gonna round now. Did you see goals on Sunday? No, no. Yeah. No. Uh, what's your name, Kieran Dyer and Rachel Yankee, the England women's international. And they both were like laughing, saying, Oh, you know, he's he's it's come off his face, you know, oh, he's got he's got well lucky with that header. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant header. It was like the only way he could score. Yeah. It was like, it's a good ball in, but he's, he's, he's got to put all the power into it and put it in the corner. Knows that you've been into the ground. It's been lashing down all day. So it's got to skip I've got a, I've got a confession. We were watching the game, myself and Joe, in the office here uh, with uh, putting the stuff on the website and... As he headed it, I shouted, "You idiot!" That was to Joe. Only because it looked like there was three reds on side, uh, and I think he had time to bring it down. Yeah. But uh, as you say, Jonesy, it was a terrific header. But um, the emotions changed that, somewhat. Is it, fairly is it, rapidly. Is it, Davey, <laughs> is it Davey Proven who's the the Sky co-commentator? Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. he's he said at the time he said that's a really good finish. Yeah, yeah. He said that it was a good one. Yeah, I thought. I used to play football on the weekend. I said, you know. I wouldn't have scored it, and I, don't, I, know, I know a lot of Liverpool players in the current squad who wouldn't wouldn't have been able to do what he did. And that that's something. He's got a real cool way about him, hasn't he? You know, I think back to a goal last year he got against United in the in the Europa League, where I know a lot of players who would have thought oh, six yards out comes the cop, hit it, and he he just sidefooted it in the near post. You know, like you've always got it's a, it's a it's a cliche thing, but you've always got more time. 
in the penalty area. Players always rush in the penalty area because they think I'm close to goal, so I won't have time. And he always seems to sit to know that he's got a little bit of little bit of time to do what he wants, right or left foot, over his head. Little message there for you, Joe, for five aside. Yeah, yeah, it's probably where Firmino's got the edge on Coutinho at the moment in the sense that Coutinho scores those worldies, but what you want is more from Coutinho, like yeah. the goal he scored against Arsenal, the mm. one where he's getting into the box, getting yeah. on the end of that yeah. climbing yeah. cross. That, for me, that's my favourite Coutinho goal of the last 12 months because it's the one that... Yeah, I'd, honestly, it is. Because <laughs> I, know, I know it's a sort of it's five yards out, four or five yards out, but it's honestly my favourite one because that's what I want to see him doing more, getting in the box and scoring the easy ones. And that's what Firmino does. Not necessarily easy, but he gets himself in there, doesn't he? And gets uh, penalty you know, area goals. Absolutely, that's that's what we want. Because you've got more time in the penalty area than you think. It's right, right, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That was tough. Yeah. I mean, it didn't didn't do any good, but <laughs> you play centre back. Yeah. yeah, right back. <laughs> It, it wasn't all great at Swansea. It wasn't all great. We can talk about set pieces forever, but we're not going to do that. However, we will talk about the goalkeeping situation. Now, we've kind of done this a little bit to death, but we did it without knowing really what Loris Carius was like. You know, we'd heard all the stories. You know, this is the reputation that he had. I've not been massively convinced. I know he's only 20, was it 23, 24, 23, I think, yeah. So he's very young for a goalkeeper. He's coming to a you know, a different country, it's more of a physical game. He said that, and we always know that, that, that goalkeepers find this, especially when they're coming from abroad. You're going to have to look at David De Gea. Yeah. You know, he didn't start off brilliantly, but now United would, would never want to sell him. He's, he's, he's that good. He's arguably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. I'm not saying Karras is going to be that, but do you feel as though he's, the nerves are getting the better of him? Do you feel as though he's not quite there at the moment? And Klopp did say that he'd take a decision during the international break of which of the two goalkeepers he'd... He may have just been saying this, but he's gone on record and saying that he's going to take a decision in the international break. So if you're making a decision now, who would you play against Manchester United? Well, my answer is Carrius, And even though I'd rather play Mignolet, but Jurgen Klopp for me has made a mistake and sort of boxed himself into a corner in, in that whatever he does now is going to put a lot of pressure on whichever goalkeeper he picks. So... Uh, and this isn't sort of after the fact. This is what you know. We were saying this bef- when when he made the decision he was going to go with Carrius, um, because um, if he goes back to Mignolet now, he's essentially already said to Simon Mignolet, "I'm not sure you're quite good enough. That's why I'm going to have a look at the other fella." So, and essentially, if he goes back to Simon Mignolet, then the whole crowd's going to be looking at Mignolet, and there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on him. Which maybe, given that he's fighting to get his place back, is a scenario he could cope with. With Carrius. He plays him against Man United, haven't you know? Haven't had literally what seemed to me like you know incredibly shaky performance against Swansea in what's a massive game, uh, uh, you know, after the international break, and and where that to go wrong, and obviously you don't want it to go wrong. Um, I think most people think Carrius is Liverpool's goalkeeper going forward, but you know we've got United, who you know renowned team, they're a big team. There's going to be some crosses coming in on that. You know, Ibrahimovic isn't small. Pogba's getting in the box. You know, these are all that you would think if you're Mourinho and and Klopp played Carrius, you'd just be going get as many crosses in as you can. Now, some people would be saying that against Mignolet. So, so are we in a scenario where neither of our goalkeepers are good enough? Well, we can't say that because we haven't seen enough of Carrius. 
And, you know, Mignolet is a solid enough goalkeeper, but for many people, not quite good enough for Liverpool. So we're in a scenario now, now where I, I think Klopp is damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, in terms of changing it again. If he brings back Mignolet, then, you know, there's a lot of pressure on on a goalkeeper who often, you know, has a lot of pressure from the you know from the crowd as it is. Neil, do you really think if Mignolet played against Manchester United, as Andy suggests, the crowd will be jumping to be on his back? I don't well, know. Well, they, they are, aren't they, in terms of... I think they're, they're frustrated by him, certain aspects of his game. It's, it's with his feet. It's always with his feet, isn't it? It's, it's him taking a little bit... But the one thing that struck me is that I... I was not overly surprised about Carriers maybe flapping in a couple of corners or anything like that because all goalies do really. You know, we've seen Bravo, City spent money on Bravo, and what does he do in his first game? You know, he comes and flaps. Goalies can do that. I've seen, I've seen Petr Cech do it plenty of times. De Gea made a, a rick at the weekend, you know, for, for Joe Allen's goal. But the one thing I thought Carriers would be like Mr. Cool with the ball, you know, I thought he'd be a world apart from it. He's as bad. He's been as bad as many like with the ball. He's, Pinged a couple out of play. He, he, he took too long to, to sort his feet out and roll the ball, and he played into men who've got trouble on. Um, Doesn't seem to be able to kick it very far either, does he? No, well, no, not no. as far as Dejan Lovren. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my favourite yeah, bit of the game. That was my favourite bit of the game. You can put that down to nerves, maybe. You can put the, the crossing thing down to maybe he's still got a little bit of a thing in his head about breaking his hand coming out for the cross in, in pre-season, and he maybe doesn't trust that as much, or he doesn't want to make. Something similar to that, but if you you know if you were looking for evidence at all as well in the goalie situation because of getting rid of Sam, I mean I don't think we've had anything like it yet. Um, but the good news, as you say about the hair, you say about you know goalies like Hugo Lloris who, who maybe took a bit of time to settle into the into the league. Um, you know I think I think there's, there's still you know you've got to, you've got to say well give him a chance and and, and hopefully. This so is just, these are just the teething problems. So your carriers staying in goal, yeah. Um, if I was picking the team, I'd, I'd have Minnie in goal. If I was picking the team, but I would, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't string Klopp up for, for picking carriers because I think the reason I'm the outlined, I think he's got to, he's got to stand by his man now. He's, he's made his, made his choice. Joe, do you think as though too much is made not just of this Liverpool goalkeeper situation, but goalkeepers in general? It's like when they get dropped because it's mm. such a. a you know, specialised position, then they're meant to like go all like, oh no, what we're going to do, etc., etc. Yeah, I think pretty much every single goalkeeper who's come in always struggles. On they when they first come in, they, they they take a bit of time. You know, De Gea, I think, is the main example people are using now with Carrius and hoping that he comes through like he did. But if you remember, Alex Ferguson wasn't he, he dropped De Gea, didn't he, a few times? You know, he, he came in and out the team. He took a bit of time. Yeah, Lindegaard played quite a bit, didn't he? And, and eventually he came through. My worry with with Carius is, uh, I remember when Reina came in and Reina would just come for crosses, you know, and he'd come and if he missed them, he missed them. But you knew where you stood. If you're a defender, you know the goalkeeper's coming here, and Carius is almost looks hesitant, scared. The decision making. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make a decision. I don't know. Again, I haven't seen a replay of the last chance in the game, but it looked to me like Matty got a shout. And yeah, ducked. that's. Yeah, it looked like yeah. he looked like he was. He could have headed it, and he. He thought either the goalie will be there or he's the goalie said he'll be there and you almost saw him look around as if to say like he, he, he had a bit of a go he had a go did he have a go and afterwards did Matip have a go in the was it the first half? Was that Carrius again? He had one, a go I mean, there was one in the first half where, where Sigurdsson dropped one in behind I think it was Lovren for Cork and 
it looked like he wasn't going to get anywhere near the cork, and he, he, he stretched out a leg. And Carrier, he, he contact, made contact with the ball sort of five yards out from goal, and you think, where's your goalie? Mm. You know, and that that's, that was the fun with Mignolet, I always thought, in the first couple of seasons, was that he'd come for a couple, and he wouldn't come for one, and then you'd see Skirtle or, or Agger or, or Lovren sort of attacking a ball that they don't need to attack because yeah. Mignolet's behind them, or leaving one that they do need to attack because they're not sure what the goal he's going to do. And you'd rather, I, I agree with Joe Grobelah, you know, you think of Bruce Grobelah, you'd rather have him coming 18 yards out trying to punch things over seven, defense, seven attackers' heads rather than waiting on his line for one and then coming for the next one. But funny enough, you say that, I think Mignolet looked like he made a conscious decision yeah. to change his style, to come for things, and, and whatever happens, he was going to come, and he looked stronger. He's got, and, he's got and, a decent punch on him. He did it after the Burnley game, didn't he? When he did the whole ball rolling out, yeah. he made yeah. the decision then that he's going to yeah. have to make a decision. Yeah. And you could see, you could see with Carriers was that he was thinking, oh, there's been two or three in this game that I probably should have come for. Yeah. So yeah. then he goes, I'm coming for the yeah. next one. Then he comes yeah. for the one he shouldn't have come yeah. for. Yeah. And then, then he's in that, oh, what am I doing? And then the last one, I mean, I saw some people suggesting that he didn't have the time to come for it. I mean, absolute nonsense. I mean, he should have thrown his hat on it. I mean, it was an absolute yeah. dolly to go The thing as well is, I always think, and Pepe Reina is a good example of it, I always think, at the very least, you just, knowing that you're going to come, makes the striker go like that and take his eye yeah, off the yeah, ball yeah. and go and think, right, where is he? If you know he's on the line, then you know, I've got a free header at this, or I've got to go. You know, if you had a goalie keepers and he's coming through, you know, with his elbows and his knees up, you know, you know, sort of, you're at risk. And, if, and like it also a, discourages yeah. uh, crosses. crosses. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because if they know though, this keeper's just going to come and, yeah. and that's going to be either punched to the halfway line or going to be, you know, caught or it's going to be a free kick because yeah. yeah. he's come and you know, as we know, goalkeepers tend yeah, to get definitely. protection. Then so there's a whole you know chicken and egg scenario there, and yeah. most of it depends on a good strong decision making from a goalkeeper relatively early in the yeah. game and has a kick on effect. And uh, I just think we're in a scenario now that was unnecessary, and I think yeah. it's yeah. you know I think Jurgen Klopp made a mistake with this. Well, we'll go off the goalkeepers, and we will finish off with uh, Danny Ings, who I think have you seen the uh, the hat trick that he scored against Sitsch, which They were very good goals, weren't they? Oh, I was I was sent to Andy earlier. I said I just. Absolutely drooling at Obi Ajaria's assist for the, the second, second goal. Second goal yeah, yeah. He, he he just picks out the path in the penalty. Like sort of eleven players between him and the goal, and he just rolls a pass. It's fantastic, but it's good to see Danny Ings because not only not only that, but he's not. You know, you think you remember him? Um, who was it last year? Berahino when he got a hat trick, and there was a big furor in the cup that he, he basically he looked like he embarrassed that he'd scored because he didn't want to play for West Brom, and. Danny Ings, big smile on his face, looks like he's enjoying it. You know, going to the guy who's played in the ball, nice one for that. So, shows that he's got the right mentality, the right attitude, and the right quality as well. Because, as you say, we, you know, we, me and Andy saw him, we've got two, two good finishes in the um, in the game against Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah. A week on mm. Sunday, and uh, and you know another hat trick there. Me scoring up goals of all sorts. Of, Jonesy mentioned that Sunderland game. There's a flying header in there. Uh, for, you know, for one, he scored one from about a yard against Leicester, and he sort of probably would have been Woodburn's goal. Uh, lovely sort of toe poke from that Jaria pass we've yeah. just mentioned there. 
He's playing really well. I think he scored in every under twenty three game he played. That might, that might be wrong, but um, yeah, he's doing really well, and um, he's also playing in in uh, a really good team at the moment. Those under twenty threes are uh, you know playing some lovely football to watch. Got beat up against Wolfsburg that Jones and I were over at, but it was a really good game that in terms of you know a good test against a good German did, team. Didn't he didn't. One of the good players. He didn't play, did he? Neither did Jarry, neither did. Alexander Arnold and uh, you know they're doing really well and they've got um, when we come back from the international break they play um, they go away to United the day after the first team play them on the Tuesday uh, they've got United and then Everton which is a first against second or third Liverpool are in about third I think uh, Everton are top of the on the 23s and then they go to City who always uh, you know as we know have a really good on the 23s uh, team who came to Anfield and did really well Last year, we've seen a couple of members of that team go into the City First team. This uh, Garcia, one of the yeah, Garcia yeah. brothers, has played, hasn't he? So some really good, uh, good games coming up, and uh, a couple of those are away. But uh, the Derby's at home, so I'd really encourage everyone to get across to Prenton Park, and uh, loads of fans get in for free. And if if you don't, it's only four quid or a quid. Now, Joe, you were in on the the podcast last week where mm-hmm. we we spoke about Mamadi Sacco <laughs> after his latest Snapchat storm, social media. Uh, yeah, we ended his Liverpool yeah. career where me, you and James, yeah. wasn't it? James yeah. Pierce. we decided he'd never play for Liverpool again. Yeah. And since then, he's played twice for the under-23s. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, do you, do you still think there's no way back for him or is it just getting him fit to sell him? I, to be honest, I don't, I don't really know. You seem to know last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're very, you're very, very, very definite. Yeah. I, I don't know. It looks like he's showing the right attitude. You know, the one thing about Ings is Ings is showing the right attitude. It's, it's hard for him. He, he's got... If I was Danny Ings, I'd be sitting there thinking, how the hell do I break into that team? I've got two two forwards ahead of me and then a load of other talented players. For Mamadou Sacco, he's got to show the same sort of attitude, playing those under-23 games, be a character, be part of the team and carry on what he's doing. Whether Jürgen Klopp decides that's enough, whether he, he's already burned his bridges, well, we don't know, do we? We'll have to just wait and see. Just look at what's happened this week, you know, if you're in any doubt about how quickly football changes, all of a sudden Nathaniel Klein's got a knock, Dejan Lovren's yeah. got a knock, yeah. Adam Lallana's got a knock. Yeah. So if, if in theory all three of them were out, you could see Saka Lannings both on the bench against United. Yeah. You know, it could happen. You, you can get you know Ragnar Klavan clash of heads in training, and we yeah. saw that with Lovren, didn't we? So you know, that's what I, if, I, if I was if I, if Mamadou Saka's got any desire to play for Liverpool's first team, that should be at the forefront of his mind. If I'm fifth, if I'm playing for the other twenty threes. At some point, the likelihood is that a chance will pop up, and then it's down to it's down to me. Final thing then is that on the day that we're recording this, it's a year to the day that Brendan Rodgers was was sacked. Um, just touched Andy Kelly's leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you were doing. I can't, I can't you, do Jamie yeah. Does that mean to, I'm Jamie Redknapp? To, no, no, you, no, no, you're not. Nobody. To be fair, Neil, you, you were doing that before anyway. Um, <laughs> but basically, you know, he was there for was it three and a bit years? Three I mean, half years, yeah. Now that we've had like that kind of year since he's gone and we can look at things a bit more subjectively, very briefly, I'll start with you, Andy. What did you make of the whole Brendan Rodgers experience? I mean, I, li- I like Brendan Rodgers as Liverpool manager. I think many fans will remember 2013-14 uh, as some of the best uh, fun they've ever had going to watch Liverpool, and that's what it was for me. Um, you know, uh, the 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 scenario that then unfolded, I think, uh, was really unfortunate. I remember a year ago today being, you know, 
relatively, you know, he, he, despite all the rumours around his future, been relatively shocked that he had gone when he had gone because he'd survived the uh, the summer review. They'd given him a lot of money to spend. Uh, I think we'd only had eight Premier League games uh, um, and only lost two. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think Brendan, you know, there's lots of people out there who think he wasn't good enough for Liverpool. You know, he was a, you know, I've heard him described even on our website today as a chancer. You know, for me, he was a good young manager with loads of good ideas, came in. People seem to take it against him for the strangest reasons possible. I mean, Brendan Rodgers nearly got thrown out of the club for having his teeth done. For me, it's never <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know... It, it, now you've seen in that, with hindsight of having you know a year of Klopp then and we'll talk about this later in the week I'm sure then obviously I think really Liverpool obviously made the right move because the, there was the opportunity to get the man they really wanted and they got him uh, but I think in all of that it shouldn't be forgotten that Brendan Rodgers did a hell of a lot for Liverpool if you look at most uh, a real piece for the Sunday Echo this week uh, and if you if you look at what was generally the stick used to beat Rodgers most, which was his player recruitment and the whole transfer committee and everything. The vast majority of this Klopp team at the moment, which is playing pretty well, uh, were recruited by Brendan Rodgers. And the, the, the strange thing is that someone like Rodgers, who was a renowned sort of man-manager, um, actually it's Klopp who's getting the best out of those. And I think that's there's a certain uh, irony in that. But uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll remember Brendan Rodgers... Very fondly indeed. Joe, a staunch defence of the Northern Irishman, Brendan Rodgers, by the Northern Irishman. Andy yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what would be your opinion of Brendan? Look here, I'm a nice guy. Um, You're a good guy. I'm a good guy. Let's not, go, let's not go down that road, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I, stop there now. I'm a beautiful human being. Yeah. Uh, I, Great technician. I don't, don't see the point in looking back with any bitterness or anger towards a manager's reign. You remember the good times. And Rodgers' Liverpool team in 13, 14 was one of the best teams to watch in the last in the modern era for Liverpool, you know. They they were just outstanding. Some of the wins that they had were absolutely brilliant and, and Liverpool fans should remember them and, and forget about all the other stuff because he's gone now, they've got the manager they want. You know, there's no reason to think of any other times is there? Neil? Yeah, I I, I always argue with people a friend no friends about um about footballers and managers and sort of the the desire for seconds in football, it's always get rid of, get second, get rid of, you know, it's like, you know, there's still people, and I know they're well paid, and I know they're, they're sort of, you know, they, they sign up for it with the with the um, the media spotlight, but I remember being at Stoke for the, the last game of the season, 6-1, and they, you don't often get it in a, in a media conference, people didn't really want to ask him a question, Brendan, they'd just been beaten 6-1 by Stoke, people didn't really want because you sort of look at him and you thought, oh God, you know, you're, you're, you've suffered enough today. Like, why don't you just, why don't you just go? Why don't you just walk out very quietly? And when you look back, I think maybe people criticise and say we should have wrote it at the time. But I do think he, that was when he had to go. He had to go the day after that, that night. He should, they should have said, look, he can't, we can't repair it. And they had to go in the summer. They, they tried to buy a few players for him. And Andy said a few, you know, James Milner criticised for buying James Milner. Why are you spending, you know, 150 grand a week on James Milner? Look at them now, Adam Lallana, you know, both in Klein was his signing. Um, Firmino came in on his watch. Even Ben Teke is not a bad player, is yeah, he? He's, he's not he's, a bad player. Yeah, he's poor, he's him. poor sign. Um, but he's not a bad player. <laughs> but he was, he was, he was a pop, he, he pop, was. Pop, 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 p
if the players are playing better now under Jurgen Klopp than they did under him and he, and Brendan Rodgers was the person who brought them in, what does that say about... Forget Klopp for a minute. What does that say about Brendan Rodgers, the coach? Because that was the one strength yeah. that, of mean, anything you else. You can't forget Klopp in this. What it, what it shows is that... Is it shows uh, that he's really good. In the good. manager's office at Melwood, at the moment, Liverpool have got one of the elite managers yeah, yeah, in yeah. the world. Not just in terms of his ta- tactical acumen, in terms of how he motivates his players, and we're going to have to see that because the you know the the, the method he has in terms of you know uh, you know which we all know about in terms of high intensity pressing and all those things are uh, it's not easy it's not easy to perform that when things aren't going well and the motivation of the players is going to be absolutely crucial when they get an unlucky one. And that's what Rogers lost, and yeah. you know Rogers had that for for a yeah. season. He had it where. It didn't matter if they conceded a goal early on. They'd go and get four or five. You know, they could, they could bounce back. All right, they can get four in away from home and still win, or three in away from home. And it's one of that. But then when it went, it just went. And I, my 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 criticism of Rogers always in the last sort of year of his reign was he lost faith in the players that he'd placed his faith in. He lost all faith. I remember remember him at Wembley against Aston Villa, and he. He was almost at one point. You were half expecting him to, to whip off his suit and, and have a pair of shinies on yeah. underneath. He was going to come on. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to win that game on his own when he didn't need to. He just needed to put a bit more faith and a bit more motivation did, in his players. Did he, sta- he, didn't, did he, he start to believe it. his own hype a little bit? Uh, no, I, I, I would go the other way. I'd go. I, I'd actually say I think he lost faith in himself. I, I'd say he he started to doubt whether he was good enough to to, to get these players playing. And I think that that was. That was fatal for him. I was looking back to some of the stuff we did uh, a year ago today, a few days ago, and um, I wrote uh, at the time that Rogers had gone from make us dream to fifth is par, yeah. and and that I think that is a sort transition of transition. That, that yeah, that that sort of sums up the point Neil is making there, which is that you know, yes, you know, of course, in the height of that run. You, maybe you could see Rogers in Bolden and maybe a, a wee bit believe in his own height. Dorley, but I think it swiftly went out of him, and I think he did. Uh, he did lose faith himself in in uh, in him and his team. Can, can, can you ever forget? I mean, can you you can remember what what his attitude was in that thirteen fourteen season? It was Raheem Sterling in a number ten role. It was Coutinho playing in a diamond, and it was Sutter. You know, well, have you? I heard me and James were talking about it on the way down to Swansea. Like I've never seen a strut on a manager like uh, at Old Trafford when he came in. David Moyes was the man under pressure. And he came in. And David Moyes was a broken man, and Brendan Rodgers came in, and again whistling, you know, high fives and high guys. You know, what a, what a lovely day. That was going just out. you as well. Yeah, well, yeah, that was exactly. Yeah, I give him a lift on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, um, you know, he was like that, and I think he said it was their stadium, it was their fans, it was our ball, and like, everyone loved it. But then, the, the following year, he's, you know, he's playing. He's brought Lucas back from the cold because he he doesn't trust his midfielders to be tight enough. He's playing Raheem Sterling up front because he doesn't trust the strikers he's bought. You know, he he just he he made mistakes. The club made mistakes, and it was very clear at a, you know around Christmas time, I think, or even earlier in the season after Suarez left that I don't think he was ever going to recover them. And to be honest, as I say, he should have went. He should have went that summer after the. I, think, I think the other thing about Brendan Rodgers that people sometimes overlook is the fact that he was the man who had to deal with the end of the careers of both Carragher and Gerrard. Oh, yeah. And in the middle of that, he lost Suarez as well, and yeah. then Sturridge got injured for Sterling practically an entire season. And then Sterling went as well. Yeah, I think what Neil says about being, I found him really indecisive, and I think that is is one of the things that 
really used to wire me up as a, as a manager because you'd find that Dejan Lovren was the best centre-half, the leader Liverpool needed. He was everything he wanted in the centre-half. He'd have one poor game and then it was like, oh, he can't play, he needs some help, he needs to play the three. Then Emre Chan was a Rolls-Royce, then he was a defensive infielder, then he was a centre-half. Sacco was in, out. You know, yeah. it, He'd never seem to say, you know what, they had a poor game today. But they're still the man for me. And you can do it sometimes. You can yeah. keep them motivated with the tough love thing of like, look, I'll bomb you if, you, if you're not good enough. But you can't keep doing it. You no, can't. No. You can't. At some, there was a thing, I'm sure there was a game against Leicester where I think it was about nine of the 11 that he played had been bombed by him at some point, you know, including Gerard, including, you know, um, Balotelli was there, Lambert was there. And it was like, how do you expect to get, how do you expect to get the best out of these players when, they don't know if you actually think they're any good, well, or whether you just say they. You can, it's an obvious point, but we talk about Gerard being bombed out. Of course, you know, probably the moment that crystallised his lost face in this team was the fact the selection in uh, in Madrid wasn't. Yeah, don't, 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 don't get me started on that. <laughs> Do not get me started on that. Um, yeah. You know. But so well, I shan't go any further. With no, we, the, with we, that. That that's that's very... probably the worst point. That's that, if, if you're asking me, Stoke was the the time he should have gone, but that was the worst. The worst thing about his legacy at Liverpool was that he he got them back in the Champions Champions League and then, and then did what he did because yeah. that was a let's put it let's, it was a disgrace what Liverpool six, did in that yeah, Champions League. It was League basically campaign. six, six not, months not, from, not, not just the Real Madrid thing, just the way they played and mm, the way they performed. Six months from being nearly the champions to giving up. Well, not giving up, but you know what I mean. <laughs> putting up the white flag in the Bernabeu yeah. just yeah. it's not Fabio Barini shaped flag. Yes, so Colatore <laughs> had a good game. Yes. Or, or Carlo, as he's now known. <laughs> right, I think on that bombshell we should end it um, and join us again. Not sure when we're going to do our next one. The international break means that we'll, we're going to do a big Jurgen Klopp special, aren't we? We're going to do a Jurgen Klopp special. We're going to do a Jurgen Klopp special, which will be coming up in the next few days. Uh, and hopefully you can join us then.